You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Good morning and thank you for having me this Sunday morning. It's great to be with you. For those who don't know me, my name is Hans. I'm the CEO of Hope From Above. And uh, you just seen a video about technology and missions and it may be a bit confusing. What about if you cannot go and disciple people as Christ has called us to do as missionaries or as people, as, as believers? What about if the distance is too long to travel to the jungle that you need a helicopter to overcome it? What about political borders where it is not possible for people even to get a Bible because of censorship? You may have heard of a British citizen whose name is Bond. In fact, James Bond. He works for the MI6 and he's got a friend whose name is Q who builds all the gadgets that he needs to accomplish his missions. Now, if you look at Hope from Above, it would be a very similar story. We are in a way also the Q who is going to build who produces aviation and technology gadgets and solutions for missions and ministries that come to us for help. Now, if you like to know more about Hope from Above, you're welcome to look at our website. It's hfa.org.au. What a week it has been. A pandemic, lockdowns, protests, and even an earthquake. Hard to top, isn't it? Perhaps this is a good day for me today. Excuse me. <laughs> Perhaps this is a good day for me to, te- to tell you today about the worst day of my life. At least I sense this is what the Lord has put on my heart to share with you today. And since I am a mechanic by trade, I call this topic of this morning a mechanic's take on forgiveness. When we look at uh, the next slide, or the, the slide, we can see a helicopter, and my wife and I, we lived 11 years in West Papua in Indonesia working for a mission in Switzerland. That was long before Hope from Above even was started. And we were flying missionaries with those helicopters into the most remotest places you can imagine. In fact, we would go do surveys and find new people groups that nobody ever knew that they existed. And my job in that ministry was to maintain those helicopters as a licensed engineer. And so um, on the 20th September 2004 in the afternoon... I was sitting in the office and I was doing flight following when one of the helicopters was on a return flight from a mission station back to our base in Wamena. And the flight following was necessary because in those tropical conditions with mountains up to 5,000 meters, there was a lot of risk in flying. And so what we would do is we would record position reports so that when something would go wrong, we would know where to go and look. Now that afternoon, as I was talking to the pilot, he reported to me that in 15 minutes he would be landing back home at our base. And I was thinking, wonderful, we can do the post-flight inspection, roll the helicopter in the hangar, and we are done for the day. The only problem was he never arrived. That night, the blue helicopter was gone. My friend and co-worker, the pilot, was gone. And we went to bed trying to sleep, knowing that in the morning we would be required at full 
stamina to do the search and rescue. The next day, which I called the worst day of my life, we sent aircraft up to go and search for our pilot. And after a while flying over his, um, his route, they picked up an emergency location transmitter signal. And those emergency location transmitters are activated by heavy impact, and so we knew that the helicopter, in fact, had crashed the day before. About two hours later, um, uh, an airplane was able to locate the wreckage down in the jungle between the trees, and we were then able to go and organize a helicopter from the gold mine to go and rescue our friend and pilot. However, when that helicopter came back to our base and we opened the door of that machine, there was a body bag in the back of the helicopter. And it was a really rude shock because we didn't know what to expect. That day I had to walk the hardest walk of my life, 30 meters from that aircraft into the hangar where Sandy, the wife, was waiting. And I had to put down the body bag in front of her feet. And I remember how she leaned over and she screamed and was gasping for air. The media was there, the crowd scattered. It was erupting in total chaos, a bit like the scenes in Afghanistan with people jumping over the fence, with people running across the runway, total chaos. Everybody wanted to come and see what was happening. And so we were able to take the body through the crowd of people into a storage room where Sandy followed behind so that she could have some privacy and grief for her loss. Meanwhile, I was on the other side of the wall in the office listening to her wailing and screaming and crying. Now, over our time in West Papua, we have buried several friends and mission pilots, we often had to go out to rescue people who crashed in airplanes with our helicopters, but this time it was very different, because this time it was our machine. And one thing that was very different was that before that happened, I have been doing very heavy maintenance on that helicopter, taking the gearbox apart, fitting new rotor blades and so forth. And I was the man who took the decision to re release the aircraft to service and signed the paperwork. And so while I was listening to that wailing and screaming and this agony of this poor young widow with an eight-month-old and a two-year-old child, I was listening to this wondering whether I actually have killed her husband. I was wondering whether her screaming was caused by my action. I didn't know. I didn't know for a very long time because of the accident investigation having to take its place first. What I did know is that whatever happened, I could not change anything anymore. Yet on that afternoon that I called the worst day of my life, Sandy came over into my office. She walked over to me and she put her hand on my shoulder and she said to me, I'm sorry, Hans, that my husband has has uh, broken your blue helicopter. And I was like, shocked. What do you say to somebody with such kindness? And then she continued and she said, Hans, I want you to know that whatever did happen on this day, I want to forgive you. 
Friends, on that day, I received the biggest kindness by a human being, which is forgiveness. I received grace from a person. I received grace from God for a situation that I could no longer change. Maybe you have found yourself in a situation throughout your life where you also could no longer change what, hap- what has happened. In the Bible, John 8, 3, we read of a woman caught in adultery. She also could no longer change what she had done. Let's hear her story. John 8, 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. I imagine for this woman, this would have been a very uncomfortable situation. But when I look at this scripture, I notice that it says that Jesus here was in conversation with the scribes and Pharisees. It wasn't actually the worldly people or the godless people who were bringing this woman and accusing her. It was those who knew the scriptures, who knew the truth. Maybe we need to take a hard look at ourselves today and say we as Christians here in a church, as believers, we also have the scriptures and we know the truth. So how does that truth influence our decisions? In verse 5 it continues, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. That's what the Pharisees said. But what do you say? They asked Jesus. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. Isn't that interesting that the oldest ones went away first? I'm now sort of at the life where it's, uh, you know, the time of a midlife crisis. You look at hopes and dreams and things you were hoping to achieve and you start to realize at my age maybe not everything is going to come about. Maybe um, there is disappointment. Maybe there is hurt. For sure, there is many decisions I wish I would have done different. There is stuff I'm not proud of. And I do realize that Life is not a walk in the park. The older I get, the more is being added to my bucket. And I can see how it is possible that the oldest one started to walk away first because we all know that we are actually guilty and we all know that we are carrying burdens where we need forgiveness, situations that we cannot change. And it continues. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. If you are feeling today like your bucket is full from a lifelong struggle and decisions and consequences and things may not have turned out the way you have hoped for, things you cannot change. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God who died for you on the cross, then that Jesus says today to you as well, neither do I condemn you. But there also comes an encouragement for us to change our habits. And Christ says to us today, go and sin no more. You see, 
Christ did not just give us cheap grace, but he actually he paid a very heavy price for our salvation. And so it is therefore for necessary for us to make a conscious decision, even today, that we want to change our life and that we, that we want to live a life of forgiveness, something, of course, we can't do by ourselves. And therefore, when we make the decision, the Lord gives us the strength through the Holy Spirit to change our life. Verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Some questions for us this morning. What would it mean for you today if, to, if Jesus would say to you, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What impact does that have on your life right now in your situation? What would it mean for people today around you if you would go and say to them, I want you to know that whatever did happen, I forgive you. Friends, do you realize that you are having a lot of power by holding back forgiveness, you can ruin other people's lives. Likewise, you have been given a lot of power because if you extend forgiveness to others, it will, say, it, will, it will give them freedom to go on with their life. Just as I am standing here because I have received forgiveness, I can continue in my ministry. I can share this story with you today. If I would not have received that forgiveness, I would not be sharing with you. And therefore, the impact keeps flowing on. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Isn't that what this world so desperately needs? What about those people who have never heard of Jesus? Are you aware that there is today over 2 billion people in this world who have never heard about Jesus? If you ask them what is Jesus, they wouldn't know whether you're talking about a bicycle brand or a potato seed or whether this is some politician. What about the unreached people groups in the, remotest in the remotest places on the planet? What would it mean for them to hear Jesus say, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more? Just imagine recently we've been watching the news on Afghanistan and you may have been really shocked by it. Do you realize that in Afghanistan there is only 0.02% evangelical Christians? The large majority of that nation has never heard about the name of Jesus. And so when we are talking about forgiveness today, let's also think about the impact that the gospel would have in a nation like that when people would know about Jesus, when they would know how to forgive each other and receive forgiveness from God. Isn't it interesting that those nations where the gospel is the least preached, where the people know the least about Christ, are also those nations where you and I don't go for holidays. Friends, this is why we do missions. It is so that Jesus, the light of the world, is being made known all around the globe, even if it includes technology and even if it is taking a long time and is difficult. Because we know that truly Christ is making the difference. He always has and he always will. I'd like to pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and we want to say thank you for your son Jesus who died on a cross 
so that we can receive forgiveness, so that we are no longer being under the condemnation, but that we are free. And as we receive that freedom, we pray that you help us to also forgive others, and in forgiving them, to empower them to ministry, to good works, to good deeds, and to continue that flow of forgiveness throughout the world. We pray that you enable us through your Holy Spirit, and we pray for those who have never heard the name of Jesus, those two billion people, that they will soon receive the opportunity. May you even use us in that process, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.